Welcome to Stories of Recovery, a podcast from Mar Addiction Treatment Centers in Atlanta. I'm your host, Matt Shedd. This episode is about the family experience of treatment. We wanted to focus on two family members and the healing and the bonding they experienced watching their husband and son, Rob, go through treatment while they participated in the family program. The two women we talked to are Rob's wife, Sally, and his mother, Rosemary. We intentionally didn't interview Rob for this piece because we wanted to focus solely on the experience here for some of our family members of our clients. What it's like to feel powerless over their loved one's addiction and then to finally experience hope. These two women share their respective journeys as loved ones who watched the addiction progress and then saw what life could be like in recovery. They described their own experience of what their life was like before they got their loved one into Mar, what happened for them while he was here, and what it's been like since. Can you all paint a picture for me of what your lives looked like when your loved one checked into Mar? I'll go first. Okay. If there was one word, it would be chaos. Um, I always used to tell friends that I felt like I was in a hamster wheel that was on a roller coaster that was built on top of a volcano (laughs) waiting to erupt. That was like a good kind of cartoonish visual in my mind that kept popping up. Um, So it was pretty chaotic and sad. So what was your life like, Rosemary? Well, I won't say I was in denial because I wasn't. I knew that there was a major problem, but, um, and I knew Sally was in a chaotic time and I felt very helpless that there was nothing I could do to make it better for either one of them. I was still in the, um, let me make it all right stage and I couldn't make anything right. Um, so I was sad a lot. I was sad all the time and worried and afraid all the time because I knew that things were not getting, in my brain, I knew things were not getting better. Even though Rob was saying everything's fine. I knew mm-hmm. it was fine and I couldn't do anything about it. So like what other kinds of, like, was it taking a toll on your health and, and all that as well? Oh, yeah. I had the constant kind of elephant on my chest. Um, Depression, just anxiety through the roof and helplessness, you know, like Rosemary, I couldn't I couldn't do or say anything to help Rob out of the depths of it. And it hurt physically and emotionally. It was painful. Yes. Pain, lots of pain. Yes, lots of tears. I ate myself into um, oblivion. I think that's how I managed everything. I ate a lot. I I did. I ate myself sick. Really, food was my um, food was my friend, but it was also my enemy because I couldn't control that either. So I couldn't control anything. I was a mess. I was a mess. So. This was not our first stab at recovery. Um, There were a few times before 
where, you know, attempts were made, but it just wasn't, it wasn't in the cards. But the very first place Rob went, we, the family part of it was not very good, honestly. The second place he went, I, I really wasn't involved in that. It was Rob and Sally did that one themselves. But I did go to some Naranon meetings in the beginning. And, um, you know, I got some information through that, but then I didn't stick with that very long. It wasn't until Mar that I feel like we got, I got a lot of information that I needed to have. So what was it about Mar that that helped you? I think I I got a sense of confidence in Mar that I hadn't gotten any other place. So I felt like I could actually start taking care of myself, start trying to get myself out of the fog that I was in because I could comfortably let Rob go and let Rob be at Mar with people that I didn't even, I didn't know anybody at Mar, but I trust, I had a trust and a confidence in, in Mar that I hadn't felt anywhere else. And you knew somebody who had been there, who we had, had been a, successful. A good friend who was really crucial to getting Rob there. He's a literal lifesaver. And he was, you know, I felt confident in that. And it was just a feeling of peace that I hadn't felt before that I could let go. And right away, they involved the the family they involved me. If I if I wanted to be involved and I wanted to be a part of his recovery, I was encouraged to be there and be at the Zoom meetings and every week and the workshop workbook meetings. And that was really the first place that I felt we had that. It was it really was a lifesaver to me. I felt good because I guess because Sally felt good and just the immediate invitation to the family to be a part of the recovery. So is there something I wasn't, I wasn't sure about, <laughs> I wasn't sure about everything to start with about the, the way they ran the program, you know, the clients were off on their own in an apartment and going to the grocery store that freaked me out a little bit, but um, I finally realized that you've got to learn how to live life and live it sober Sticking somebody in a dormitory and locking the door and really teaching you how to live. Anything you want to add to that, Sally, in terms of you going on your own journey and the maybe the difference here at Mar versus other places in, in terms of that? Well, you know, I don't know what any other listeners have heard about the program at Mar, but there's a, a blackout period um, where there's no communication. Um, no letters, no phone calls. And the thought of that in the beginning was terrifying because, you know, in past attempts, the the full program that Rob was was trying was maybe 30 or 45 days. But this was a the the whole first phase was 90 days. But for the first half of that, I couldn't talk to him. Um, so it was really scary at first, but I had those immediately had those counselor calls and um, it was a little bit of a connection to Rob, but it was about me. I'm sure um, 
Erica told me plenty of times in those early sessions that I don't need to be talking about Rob right now. <laughs> I needed to be talking about Sally. Um, so it was, it was really helpful the way she direct redirected me from, you know, worrying about Rob, which is what had been going on for six or so years. And it was, you know, somebody telling me to chill out about that and worry about Sally for a few minutes, even just a simple structure of, you know, a, a family zoom call every week and a counselor call every week was just something that I appreciated and, and needed as, as just some guidance. And like I said, it was all chaos before he got to Mar. And so to have some direction from the people in the group that I had the trust in was really nice. And I felt reassured that Rob and Sally were being able to work with a counselor every week when they really had not done any of that prior to him going to Mar. You know, the relationship Rob needed to work on the most was the one with his wife. I'm I'm the mother of an adult. Um, doesn't make me worry about him any less, but you know, I'm the mother and he's got a life and, um, with a, with his wife, that's his family. And it was reassuring to me knowing that Rob and Sally were meeting with somebody every week. Cause that was the first time they had done that. And we had, yeah. we had said, golly, Sally, you need to have somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. And Sally finally had somebody to talk to. And that meant the world to me, knowing that she was getting some support that I certainly didn't know how to give. And Mar really emphasized, you know, Rob's on his journey. He's doing what he has to do to get better. And we, as his family and the people that love him, have to trust that he's doing what he's supposed to do over there and we have to do what we have to do to take care of ourselves over here. They really preach that. Mm -hmm. And it finally sunk in with me. <laughs> it took me a long time, but it finally did sink in. Yeah. I had, you know, plenty of times people said, well, you need to take care of yourself. And it's, you know, every time I heard that it was coming from a place of love and care, but it's really hard to hear when, the person you love so much is in a really dark place and, you know, I can't do anything about it. And I, for a long time, I thought, well, I'm okay. So let me focus on Rob, but it was a neglect of myself too. So it was, it was really awesome to have someone tell him, telling me to, you know, focus on myself. So an, an expert, right? <laughs> Not just somebody who right. cared about you, but right. somebody who really knows what they're talking about, <laughs> right? So, how would you compare yourselves now, and and how your lives are now versus you know that day you helped you helped Rob get in here? I did start going back to Narnon when he checked into Mar. I started going back to Narnon and um. And I've said in meetings many times, I feel like I'm doing great, but Rob's doing really well. And so I still have a little bit of a hard time separating that 
you know, if he weren't doing as well as he is, how would I, how would I be doing? But I think I've learned um, in the last couple of years, I've learned a lot about giving up control. And um, I didn't think I really was a control freak person. I didn't think I was, but I guess in a way I was because I thought all I had to do was say something and everything would be better. And it never was. And we went, we were on a roller coaster for about six years before he went to Mar. Um, so how am I different now than I was then? I think I, um, I think I have better tools to use, better tools in my toolbox of things I should and shouldn't do. And I think I have a little bit better understanding of um, just like the serenity prayer says, accepting the things I can't change. And I truly think I can do that and change. The only thing I really can change is myself and how I react to things and how I relate to other people that all I can do is what I can do. And I'm figuring out the difference in those two things. So it's been a long, long journey. And I'm I'm nowhere near the end of it. I, I have so much to learn. In this next part of the interview, Rosemary talks about Family Week, the part of the program where family members come to the treatment center to interact with their loved ones in person. We live in Athens. And obviously, we had a drive of about, I don't know, 45, 50 minutes, an hour something like that. And so I just assumed that Sally would ride with Jim and me over to the meetings and ride back. And I don't know, the day before, maybe a couple of days before, I said, well, um, call Sally. And I said, well, um, we're going to try to leave around whatever time and we'll pick you up. And she said, well, I think I'll just take my own car. (laughs) And I said, Oh, okay. And I was so upset. And I knew that I had upset her. (laughs) But, and it took me a while to be able to say, why didn't you want to ride with us? And I mean, (laughs) we don't, you know, I thought, (laughs) I thought, well, God, why does she want to get in the car with us? Have we done something? (laughs) I immediately went to that rather than, and my sister, thank goodness, said to me, Rosemary, this is hard for Sally. Maybe she just needs a minute in the car by herself (laughs) on the way home to kind of get over everything. It's not just about you. (laughs) And then Sally said to me, I asked, I think I might have finally asked you, why didn't you want to ride? Maybe with on us? Thursday. I don't think you brought it up the first no, day. No, not the, the first day. day. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I needed the quiet time in my car. And, and I said, well, why wouldn't you just tell me that? And she said, as soon as I said, <laughs> I wasn't going to ride with you, your whole tone changed. <laughs> and I knew that she was exactly right. My whole tone did change. And it was like, oh. <laughs> and so then she you know, knew I was disappointed. And, and I thought, I need to really work on that. I really we do. We both had things to work on. <laughs> I mean, that's just a little thing. But 
there were just so many instances when I realized I started seeing myself in a whole new light. Mm. I really did. Little Miss Perfect Mama and Perfect Mother-in-Law and always happy and everything's great. Uh-uh. I, <laughs> I saw myself in a whole different light. And, you know, sometimes you have to open yourself up to learning a whole lot more about yourself than that you had never really thought about before. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm I'm still working on it, but I'm working hard on it. Mm-hmm. I really am. That's a journey for me to be better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if I say I'm positive, then be positive. Mm-hmm. I'll say something else about Family Week. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me going. Um, <laughs> the part, I can't remember what they called it, the um, impact. Mm-hmm. So, oh my gosh, that just about killed me. But it was the first time that I've ever said anything to Rob about how all the things that we had been going through had a, had affected me personally. And as hard as it was, it was a really, I felt almost like um, a weight was left, felt lighter after I said all those things. And that was harsh. I I had never done anything like that before, but I did feel once it was over in the moment, it was, it was really hard, but once it was over, I was so thankful that I was, that I got that opportunity. He knew I loved him and that was never going to change, but he, and I know he knew probably everything I said to him that he was anticipating, but I'd never said them out loud. And it was it was good to have that opportunity to do that, even though it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. That was also the first weekend. That was the first time we got to see Rob since he started at Mar. And so I think I think Family Week would be a good starting point for kind of where it started clicking with me. I can remember having some of our sessions with Erica that Rob and I had together, and. Um, you know, for a long time, I was still mad. I would start my meetings with my arms crossed and I would not say much, but Erica's really good at not letting you off the hook for not (laughs) saying much. So, you know, she'd pull, pull it out of you. But I know that I eventually softened a little bit. And, you know, we had a couple of those Zoom calls and meetings where it was really emotional. And it was just, it was the softening and and acceptance of, and probably the first time where I thought everything might be okay. So maybe I didn't have my arms crossed (laughs) every other meeting, Um, but it happened. Started to kind of lighten up a little bit. I remember Rob called, he didn't call me very often. I, I talked to him very little when he was over there which I was okay with. I wanted all the conversations to be with Sally, but he did call me one day. He and Erica were together and they did a Zoom and called me and he um, let me know that he was planning to stay. And it was, I don't know, it was almost like he was scared to say it, but I was so happy. That might've been one of my first happy moments in a long, long time 
that he had made the decision to stay longer and keep working. I was thrilled, honestly. And Sally had said she was hoping he would do stay as long as he mm-hmm. felt like he needed to. And in the past, I think, you know, we were saying, okay, well, you'll be gone for six weeks and then we, and you'll be back home. And um, this time, I think everybody was on board with whatever it takes whatever it ta- to figure this out, take that time. So that was a great thing. Mm-hmm. When this all started, I thought we would be over it pretty quick. That was a lack of education. It was a lack of understanding. I know that now, but it 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 was it would just be over and everything's going to get back to normal. But it didn't happen that way. And so I think now it's it's a peace. I'm you know I pray for peace every day, and it's a peace of just knowing that bad things are going to happen, good things are going to happen, and it's part of the journey. And I, I have more confidence every day in knowing that I can handle most things. Yeah, it's, it's just a piece that I didn't have before. So what would you pass on to family members that are in a similar situation that you're in? For people in the situation that I'm in, which is the parent of an adult, and it just so happens I have a friend who's has who's my age with a son, almost Rob, about Rob's age, who were kind of in the beginning of his recovery journey. And I have said to her, you know, first of all, you've got to trust the people who know what they're doing. And sometimes as a mother, we think we know everything. And shoot, I didn't know anything. <laughs> So trust the people that know what they're doing and be patient. I know we want to be able to say he's well, and um, that's not something you can do with addiction. You can be thankful that he's in recovery and that he's staying in recovery. And um, But to think that everything's going to be back to the way it was right away is unrealistic. Um, you have to be patient and let everybody figure out how to live life in a healthy way. And it might not be the same as it was before addiction. You know, relationships might be different, but that's okay. And you just have to let that all happen, I think. Not try to predict or control where that journey is going to lead. You just kind of have to take it day by day. All right, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm Matt Shedd. Our executive producer is David Tate. If you want to reach us, you can email us at podcast at marinc.org. That's podcast at M-A-R-R-I-N-C dot O-R-G. Thank you again for joining us, and we're already looking forward to next time.